0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, I got started on something this afternoon, and about 5, 5.30, I went, nope, don't like that. So we went to something else. So tonight, we're going to be talking about something else. We're going to be talking about the battle of the mind. Hallelujah. You know, you know know a lot of what I'm going to tell you tonight. But again, I believe any time anybody gets up, you know, just for us to have the mindset that whatever is coming out is going to be fresh to me, I I have determined that it will be fresh. You know, I make a decision that it will be fresh. Uh, There's something for me in this. And we're just going to go over some things that you've heard before. Maybe some of you haven't heard it before. But we are a three-part being. I am a spirit. I possess a soul, which is the mind, emotions, intellect. And I live in a physical body. And so much of the time, what holds us out of the spirit realm, what holds us out of victory, actually has to do with this thing right here. It is, it is the thing that, that when it lines up with our spirit man can overpower the flesh. You know, we're being a three-part being, two gangs up on one. And um, Dad Hagen once said that a spiritual giant is a person whose heart and mind agrees. You can't agree with the thoughts that the enemy brings and expect to have success. And so, let's go to the verse that you and I both know so well. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 2. Hallelujah. Starting in verse, well, let's just start in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and I, I have a lot of writing in my Bible. And if you if you don't have a fine, a fine point pen that you can write in your Bible with, you need to get one. And you need to write and mark it all up. It's right here, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I have in here written, it says, in view of what God has done, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or worship. And here in verse two it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know that be not conformed to your mind. I have I have written in here, do not let the world. Push you into its mold. Yes. That's what the world is trying to do every single day. It's trying to push you into its viewpoint. You know, we were talking years ago about hum, human secularism and all that. Oh, what the what the has happening in the schools and what's going on, all this kind of stuff. And we were aware of the things that the enemy was going And then we kind of just kind of lost sight of it. Do you know it's still going on? Much as, much as a school is, is used to educate the intellectual part of us, schools have also become a place where it is trying to conform you into something that the word does not say. It's trying to conform you into a viewpoint that does not match or line up with what God has said. It's trying to push you into into places, into ways of thinking that absolutely contradict the word of God. It's going on all around you. If you watch TV of any kind and you're aware of what's being said in commercials and you're aware of the images that you see in almost every commercial that's being made today, you will see where the emphasis is being pushed for you to just accept certain things as though it's normal. It is not normal. It is not normal. This world is doing its its dead level best to make us think some way other than the way we should be thinking. It is trying to renew our minds, but the Word of God is the only thing that should be the standard for us in renewing our minds. We must discipline our minds to think the way God thinks. Now, you can see that in Isaiah 55. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55. And... Verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts, this is God talking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Hello. God's not changing his thoughts to match yours. That's not the way this works. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then, you know, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the things I think towards you. God's got some things he's thinking about, just you individually, not just thoughts in general, but you specifically. And so, you know, we have to, we have to find out what the word of God says, because the warfare that we battle in so often, we have to understand that it's in the mind. It's in the mind. Um, go over with me to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 10 verse 4 2 Corinthians 10 in verse 4 For though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to this pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That is arguments and reasonings and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what we have to do every single day. Cast down those thoughts and bring them in line. Bring them captive. Take a hold of them and pull them in to say, no, this is what the word of God says. Listen, the battle of the mind started in the garden of Eden when the enemy came to Eve. He, that's where it started. What did he do? Go to Genesis 3. Just take a look at what he did. And this is where so much of the thoughts that we have that aren't godly, this is just where they start. It's just one little simple thought. Chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Listen, the serpent is still subtle, but you have to be aware of him. You have to get to, be to the place that you are more aware of what he's saying when he's trying to say he's not saying it. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Seemed like a simple enough question. He's just asking this just simple question. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the garden which is in the midst, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. There is the thought. There is the thought that he brought to her. You know, the enemy's always talking to you. You need to recognize who the, where the voice is coming from. You need to recognize who's talking. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened. See? He she's listening. As soon as he as soon as he said, You shall not surely die, she should have cut him off. The very fact that we don't recognize and cut the enemy off that with the very first phrase is what gets us into trouble. She entertained it. For the Lord doth, not, doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now we've entertained a thought. Now this thought has had quickly had time to grow into something what, had he, did, what did it have time to grow into? Well, look at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she's been listening to him, she took of the fruit and did eat and gave also to her husband with her. He cannot keep blaming this on her all of his life, you know, down through the ages, can't keep blaming it on her. And he did eat. One simple thought, entertained, brought more. And when it brought more, now she's beginning to make something out of it. She, she took those thoughts, and now she's letting her flesh get involved in this. That's what happens. One simple thought, not dealt with. One simple thought, mulled over, turned over, entertained, and suddenly now, my flesh gets in line with those thoughts. And what does it do for her? caused causes her to disobey God. The same story happens over and over and has for all this time and will continue to happen as long as we don't do what we need to do to put a stop to it. Eve could have put a stop to it. As soon as he said something that contradicted what God had said, she should have said, no, I don't want to hear it. I will not listen to this. That's what you need to do. As soon as you hear that very first phrase that contradicts what God has said, that's when you need to put a stop to it. Don't allow him to keep talking to you. You say no. Absolutely no. You have to establish what you will and you won't. Allow your mind to ponder on to meditate on. Your mind needs to have an off-limits sign put up on it. This is off-limits. Do you hear me? It's off-limits. It's off-limits. Because sin starts as a thought. Just a thought. Then it becomes a possibility. Then it plays out in your mind. And then you have have a tendency to want to justify it how to do it and get away with it. Is that not true? Anybody ever ever done something you knew you shouldn't have done? Where did it start? Just a thought. Just a thought that I entertained as a possibility. And then just went, you know, went just right down the row with it. You know, okay, well... You know, if I did this, one, well, nobody would really know about it. You know, we have these conversations with ourselves. Once the enemy gets the ball rolling, we have conversations with ourselves. You know, he just, he just helps us, you know. And then the flesh man just kicks right in and goes right along with it. You know, and, and before too long, you know, we're in the middle of trouble. How did we get here? Oh, how did this happen? I entertained a thought. One phrase was where it started. You have total control and authority over your mind. You do. The, here's the here's the issue. You need to find out, number one, who you are in Christ. If you haven't bought one of these books and ever read it, you need to get it, In Him by Brother Hagin. It's a whole $2. There are scripture sheets in the bookstore called In Christ and Identification with Christ. The problem with the mind can be solved, first of all, by knowing who you are in Christ, what God has made you to be, what what has been done for you in Christ, what he has redeemed you out of. What he has brought you into, what belongs to you, belongs to you, absolutely is yours. You have ownership of it. It's not just something God suggested. He gave it to you and determined that throughout the rest of eternity, these are the things that belong to you. This is who you are. And the enemy does his best to keep us convinced that we are something that we are no longer. When I was in California, you know, and, and, and I ministered that Sunday morning and you know told my testimony, you know, about being a pregnant teenager and getting married at sixteen and all this kind of stuff. I thought later myself, I thought, you know, I guess I should tell people that it's not something that I just go around. I'm not bragging about that. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this is to say that, you know, this was a good thing, it was not a good thing, but that person is dead. I don't have to, I'm not bragging on that person. I'm just telling you the facts of what my life was. I'm just telling you where I came from. I'm just telling you what I did, you know, as a backslidden teenager. But that person is dead. That person is gone. The problem with some people is they keep keep dragging the corpse around. Don't keep dragging the old man around with you. You know, my whole thing is I can say that kind of stuff without one bit of shame because it's not me anymore. That person is gone. And we need to stop being a slave to to the, the people that we once were. I don't, need to, I don't need to talk about it as though there's some kind of good thing in that or, or some kind of, you know, brownie points in it or anything. Just, just know it. that's, that's where I have been delivered from. I, I can be delivered from the shame and the guilt of that part of my life. You know, I mean, my heavens, I have, I have, a, I have a wonderful son out of that. But, but that, was, that was wrong. You know, but that man has gone. That man is dead and buried, never to be resurrected again. Do you know who you are in Christ? And so many people have problems because in their mind, they have other ways of thinking about who they are that does not line up with the word of God. You have to see who you are the way God meant for you to be. If you're born again, the recreated human spirit on the inside of you is brand spanking new. And the only connection we have with the old life is the fact that we remember it and that we were in this body when we did it. But that's 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 it, folks. That's it. And and you you cannot you cannot get your validation in this life from anybody other than God. You cannot get your validation from a husband, you can't get your validation from a wife, you can't get get a validation from your from your works. You can't get a validation from 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 how, how what a good student you are. You can't get a validation for how much money you make. You can't get a validation for your life from anywhere except from God and what he has made you to be. And if people would finally get that through their heads, there'd be a whole lot less issues. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, nobody likes me. That's probably not true. Number one, it's probably not true. And number two, if it is, you can do something about it. I've run into a few people in my time that didn't like me, and I knew it. And they weren't too shy about letting me know that they didn't like me. You know what the best thing to do with that case is? Make them a project. You're going to like me. You're going to like me before this is over. You're going to like me. You're going to love me. Before I'm done with you, you're going to like me. I, I, we were in a church a couple of years ago, and it may have been more than a couple of years ago. pastor was ministering there, and this and this one you know, family member of the pastor there, I thought, oh, my goodness, she don't like me at all. Oh, you know, just her body language, her mannerisms, her tone of voice, what she said. I mean, it was bordering on rude, and I'm going, Okay, we're going to do something about this. Today she loves me. She thinks I'm wonderful. Don't you tell her any different. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Those are the things that keep people bound. They just keep people bound up. Because you're looking for something from, from, from somebody other than the Father. You're looking for some kind of validation other than what you find in Jesus and what he's made you to be. He's made you the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I'm the righteousness of God. Ephesians 2, 2, 6, I've been seated with Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 18, all power has been given unto me. 1 John 4, 4, the greater one lives in me, greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Listen, the enemy has no power over you unless you delegate it to him. He doesn't. Second or Colossians 4:15 talks about having spoiled principalities and powers. He has been dethroned. Listen, God's not sharing the throne with the devil. You, you, you're not going to be able to go to God, you know, like you should when, when you, you seem to think that somehow the devil's sitting on the other side of him. Listen, he's got a right hand and a left Oh, Jesus is on the right hand. You know, it's not this little no business with the devil on one shoulder and, and Jesus on the other. Come on. You know, it's got to be all or nothing. When you don't know who you are in Christ, you are easy prey easy you can you can be sold such a bill of goods because you don't know now when you have been told you have no excuse when you finally find out now you have no excuse you know i was raised i had no idea I had no idea who i was in christ I had no idea What God had truly done. I mean, Jesus came, he died for me so that I could go to heaven. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that sometimes God heals. Nobody ever told me about the fact that God wants you to prosper. But you know what? I found out something different. I found out what Jesus did for me. I found out the price he paid for every part of my life, and when you find that out, you cannot. If if you let the devil bring you thoughts that contradict what you know, you did that by choice. You can choose to put him in his place. You can choose. Nobody is stopping. He he cannot stop you from making a choice to deny his power over you. He cannot stop you. You know, if uh, if you've if you're troubled over things and you've lost sight of who you are, if you've lost your peace, you've lost sight of who who, of who is your peace. You've lost sight of what he's done for you. You've lost sight of of the fact the greater one lives on the inside of you. If you miss God, then repent. And know that you're you're right back in fellowship with him. 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, forget what you just did. Forget the the way you, you missed it. And let's just go on from here. It's under the blood. And let's just go on. And don't deal in what ifs. Never deal, well, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that, if I had done this, if I had done that. Don't deal in what ifs. There's The, the what ifs is one of the tricks the enemy uses against people all the time to keep them in a place of condemnation and, and that feeling that they don't measure up. They're not worthy. They're not, they're not capable of, of experiencing the love of God. They're not capable of, of finding pleasure in life. They're not capable of, of enjoying life. They're not capable of enjoying the blessings that God intends for them to have. They're, by all the what ifs. Well, if I hadn't done this, If I hadn't done that, you know, it may have cost you some time, but I'm telling you, you can pick up right here and expect the blessings of God to be available. Make make sure that they are abundant. Nothing is stopping you except you. This thing right here is what's stopping you. You must establish your, your, your place in the things of God. Do not abdicate your authority by refusing to take responsibility. you hear me? If you don't take responsibility for making the choice to renew your mind, you have abdicated your authority. You've just sat down and said, well, here you go. Silver platter, devil. Take it. Do what you want with it. And he'll do much more with it than you want him to do. If something has taken hold of you, it's because you allowed it. Now, that's not really nice, Pastor Angel, but, you know, I'm sorry. It's the truth. You allowed it. With the, with the tools at your disposal, the Word of God, with an abundance of Scripture, with with the surety, this the surety of what God has done for you, laid out for you right here, You can blame nobody but yourself for not accessing it. Nobody but yourself. Dr. Summerall, he was a man who did not mince words. He says if you're carrying weights, it's because you want them. There are some people who thrive in crisis. They, I, they just don't see that life has much meaning or much excitement unless there's some kind of drama going on in their lives. Anybody know anybody like that besides me? Yeah, I got some family members that are that way. Their life is so full of drama, they wouldn't know what to do if there wasn't any. They cry, peace, peace, you know, when am I, when's my life ever going to get any better? <clears throat> it's not because you want it to be this way. You won't do what you can do to make it any different. And so, you know, when you finally can decide that you're done with it, it can be over. It can be over. You have to get past certain things in order to run your race successfully. You've got to get get rid of traditional thinking. I was raised with a lot of things that are not Bible. I thought were, you know, oh, this is this is what, this is what this is all about. Were, there's no more scriptural evidence of me that some of those things that I was taught growing up than the man in the moon. You have to recognize what the, those things that were that were put into you, over and over and over. You know, sometimes I think, you know, the, some of the best Christians come out of a heathen background where they didn't know a thing just didn't know a thing about God. They, they're, they're so happy to find out that Jesus died for them. They're so happy to find out that he provided these things for them. They're so, and they don't have to unlearn all the junk. Some of us have to unlearn. Growing up thinking, you know, that, that, that God and in his infinite wisdom, sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. When tragedy comes with it, God had a purpose in it when when he doesn't heal that there's, there's that was his will that is that is thinking that is so prevalent and we have to get past away those kinds of thinking patterns if we're going to be successful in this life we're going to have to get past that we have to get past the self image that we have if your self image it doesn't begin with in him you got the wrong self image Your self-image has to come from what he has done. I said that before. I'll say it again. It has to come from him. It can't come from anybody else. You're setting yourself up for great disappointment if your validation and your self-image comes from anything or anybody other than God. And Jesus you're setting yourself up how many times have people have we seen over the years you know uh, uh, say a marriage you know that of, of long-term standing and that that had uh, some maybe something happened and there was a divorce and, and and one or the other just cannot get past it because their whole identity was wrapped up in their spouse it's not a good situation. It's a, it's a tough situation, but it's not, it's not an impossible situation for God to get you through that. God has a relationship one-on-one with you, not one-on-one with you and a spouse. You know, I, I was talking to Pastor Nancy I mean, when we were in, in California, because, you know, staying with her in her house, you know, we, we're good guests we, 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 if you want to talk, fine. If you don't want to talk, you know, fine. I, I, I'm not, we're not the kind of people in, in the house that need be entertained at all. We do our own thing, and I'm in the kitchen, you know, whatever. You know, we were having a talk one day, and <clears throat> she was telling me about a lady. Uh, there was a, a couple that was, had been mightily used in prayer for years. And um, I think uh, it was Phil and Fern Halverson, I believe was their name. And uh, Brother Phil went on home to be with the Lord several years ago. And uh, his wife was was at a meeting somewhere. She'd been ministering on something, and, and she got really sick. And uh, and you know, this was just felt something pretty new to her. And she went to the Lord and she said, <clears throat> "Lord, what what happened? Where did I miss it? Where where did where where let the enemy in?" And he told her something very interesting. He said, <clears throat> "He said because you don't seem to have an understanding of the value." of you, that you could only see your value in connection with you, your spouse. That's what opened the door for that. God's got something that's special and unique to you. That's where your worth comes from. It has nothing to do with who you're married or not married to. It has nothing to do with who's your father, who's your mother, who's your child, who's your, who's your boss. It has nothing to do with anybody but you and how he sees you and how he wants to use you and what his plans are for you. That's where your self-image has to come from. And there are people who just, you know, they struggle for years Because of their childhood, you know, and what somebody, as they were growing up, said to them. You know, growing up, you know, as a kid, you know, oh, sticks and stones, I can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yes, they do. Better to have a broken bone than to have somebody spew hateful and hurtful words at you for years on end. There are people who can't get past that. There are people who've had things in their lives that have happened to them. And there are people in this church that I know who've had things that have happened to them that would have most people just in major depression. You know, just the typical average person on the street would be in just a major mental mess because of the life that they've lived up until now. But I'm telling you what, when you find out who you are in Christ, all that gets washed away. All of that is gone. All of that is over. And you can look back on this, that's where I was, but this is where I am now, hallelujah. I don't have to be bound by what anybody said to me. I don't have to be bound by what anybody did to me. I don't have, anybody have to be bound by anything that's happened in my life at all. There's no way. Somebody asked me one time, can we have like a support group? And I went, No. Why do we need a support group? Well, there are people who have issues, you know, and it'd be nice to have a group and we would get together, we could talk. I said, you need to just find out who you are in Christ. That's what you need. Talking it over, rehashing it over and over again helps nobody. It gives the enemy more of a foothold in your life than he's ever had before by continually bringing up your past and what you've endured and what you've gone through and what people have said about you, what people have done to you. Who am I in Christ? That's what I need to know. And as I've looked around this congregation of years, I've seen people who've gotten a hold of who I am in Christ. And you would look at them and you would never know anything bad had ever happened to them in their life. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. But it has to start here as the Word is renewing your mind. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke 10, 19 says, I give you power to tread or step over all the works of the enemy. You've got the power. You've got it. Is it not ridiculous to think somebody goes into a house and goes, Oh, I can't see. I can't see. It's dark. I can't see. Oh, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't have any any light. What am I going to do? Go turn the switch on. You've got the power. Some of you need to go turn the switch on. You've got the power. The power is flowing. You just got to turn the switch on. He has given you all the power that you need. Listen, you got something bigger than you backing you up. You got something much bigger. That's the wonderful thing about it, is that it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the greater one who's backing me up at every turn. And when it comes to the thoughts that come into my mind, I have to know that the things that the Word of God says are bigger than me, and they back me up. When I say I will not tolerate that, the Word backs me up. When, the, when I say that the, that the greater one lives in me, the Word is backing me up. When I say I am the righteousness of God in Christ, the word is backing me up. When I say I'm the healed of the Lord, the word is backing me up. When I say I prosper in all things, everything I set my hand to, I prosper, the word is backing me up. There's bigger things backing me up than what I see with these natural eyes. I have to see those things. I have to renew my mind to know that those things are real. It's not just some mind over matter business. It's the word over the mind that matters. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, one says that we lay aside the weight. Jesus laid aside. The weight. Well, let's just look at it. I'm going to make sure I get this right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hebrews seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. You could say the thoughts that are not right. Lay them aside. Those things that so easily beset us. Why do they easily beset us? Because we haven't renewed our minds enough yet to be sure, to be convinced To be absolutely certain that this is the truth. You know, they say that for every wrong piece of information that you have a hold you have to hear the right one at least seven times to get that out. And then another seven times to get it established the right way in your thinking. You and I have been programmed by religion. We've been programmed by other people's Uh, Input in our lives. We've been programmed by other people's opinions. We've been programmed by this world to the point it is going to take some work to get our thought life where it belongs, to have our thinking realigned, readjusted, renewed, and conformed to what God has said about us. Hallelujah. Galatians 6, 9 basically says you'll win if you don't quit. Amen. You'll win if you don't quit. Amen. Problem with some people is they quit. Yeah. They give up. Well, I tried this for two weeks. It didn't work. We'll keep doing it. That's right. That's right. How long does it take? I don't know. You tell me. How long does it take? Right. Right. How sure are you? How convinced are you? How diligent are you? Just to say, well, every once in a while, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, once every once every six months ain't going to cut it, folks. It takes some diligent effort to renew your mind. And in certain areas, we get a hold of it real easy. I mean, this is, this is easy to get a hold of, we think, until we're challenged on it. And then we have to go back and go, oh, maybe I better go back and work on that some more. Ooh, oh, it's, it's so nice that, yes, God wants me to prosper. That Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. And then the Holy Ghost comes along and he says, I need you to write a check for $500 to the parking lot. And you go, oh, no, I don't know about that. No, I don't know about that. Time to renew the mind, folks. If your mind is totally renewed to the fact that God wants you to prosper. Whatever he tells you to do with your money, you have no problem with. That's an an area we're all working on. We all find ourselves working on that kind of thing. Oh, Jesus wants me. He died for me. he, he, He provided healing for me. And the doctors come at you with a different kind of a diagnosis than what you were expecting. And then you have to stop and go, Okay, maybe I better go back and renew my mind I about that some more. Yeah. The enemy is going to come challenge you. Don't assume that you've got it so locked down that you don't have to consider it anymore. Oh, I got this. I I got this. I got it. The enemy will challenge you to find out, do you really have it? How do you know if you really have it? Peace. Peace. No matter what the enemy says, peace is there. No matter what the Holy Spirit says to you to do, he wants you to do, peace is there. That's how you know. That's how you know. Now, let me tell you, it's easy to lose your hold on these things. You could have it today, but are you still going to have it next week? Are you still going to have it six months from now? You You have to maintain your hold On the things that God has said about you and the things that God has said to you. And what the word says. You have to constantly keep this in front of you. Isn't that what it said? You know, about, uh, let's find it here real quick. Um, Okay, maybe that was somewhere else. About keeping keeping right in front of you. Over in, Okay, it's all right. So Isaiah 26:3 says, Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. You have perfect peace. The man who has perfect peace, whose mind is stayed, he's uninterrupted. Your spirit already knows. Your spirit man knows. But your peace that you walk in from day to day will depend a lot on your mind. Then there are times when you can have absolute turmoil going on in here and the spirit man goes, we got this. We got this. Not a problem. We got this. Every thought that comes to you in life, every thought has to be measured against the word of God. Every thought. The enemy comes to you and tells you your life is over. It's not over. God's not over until God says it's over. And actually, God has said that with long life, I will satisfy you. Who determines satisfied? I do. I do. Life is never over. I don't care what the circumstances are in life that that you encounter. I don't care who comes, who goes, in and out of your life, what relationships come, what relationships disintegrate. I don't care what happens. God is still there. God still has a plan for you. God still has a desire for you. God still loves you. God still cares about you. God still says you're important. He still says you're precious to him. Never, never entertain the idea that I'm nothing. I'm nobody. My life is over. There's nothing I can do. it. There is something you can do about it. There is always something you can do about it. Hallelujah. Uh, hmm. I'm going to run through these because I'm I'm almost done. Listen, your help, when it seems like your mind is in, in such turmoil, you will only find help in an atmosphere of peace. You must find a place of peace. You cannot get direction... You cannot count on direction that you get when you're not in peace. A lot of times when we're not in peace, we make decisions from pressure, not from peace. You make sure that you make every decision from a place of peace. Circumstances, fear, anxiety, hurt, anger, strife. Oh, my Lord, how many people have made decisions out of strife? Instead of stopping and examining the thing that they're in strife about, who did what to who, who said what to me, who, what, what, whatever. Instead of stopping and examining that and deciding to put the word on that and deciding what they're going to do with it, decisions are made out of strife that affects more than just one person. When you make decisions out of hurt, fear, anger, strife, it doesn't just affect you. It affects a lot of people. All those circumstances will try to make decisions for you. You have to make sure that they don't. You have to make sure you have renewed your mind in such a way that you deal with those with those emotional issues, you deal with those circumstances, you, you deal with those heart issues. You deal with them before you make a decision to, to make a move of any kind. You have to be in peace. Your peace, not somebody else's peace. Nobody can decide these things for you. Nobody can make decisions for Don't let somebody else make decisions that you're not at peace about. In a husband and wife situation, we've had many times where one of us didn't have any peace about something. So it was like, let's hold up here and figure this out and find out who you know where the problem is. Because for us as a, as a couple to go forward, we both have to have a peace about whatever the decision is we're about to make. And just like Proverbs 22, 6 says to train up a child... In the way he should go, we have to train up our minds in the way they should go. We have to make some determinations about how we're going to let our minds wander. Listen, when your mind is unoccupied with other things, the enemy is using those moments of idleness to come in and bring thoughts. And you have to be careful that you recognize what are his thoughts. And what he's trying to plant in there that shouldn't be there, and deal with them immediately. Ephesians three sixteen. Let's go there real quick before we stop for the night. Ephesians three sixteen. One of my favorite scriptures. Hallelujah. It says, uh, "Well, let's just start in verse fourteen. For this cause I bow my knees." Under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Listen, when you don't know what else to do, you can always go to this scripture. God is granting to me, according to his glory, that I'm being strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man. When my inner man is strengthened, my inner man can take control of my mind. It can take control of the thoughts that the enemy tries to bring into my, into my mind. I can take control over those things and not let them become strongholds, not give him the advantage of taking control of my life because that when you give in to his thoughts, you're actually giving up control. I am not going to let him have that. I won't. I will be strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man. My thought life is my thought life. My thoughts are his thoughts. What God's ways are become my ways. You need to believe it. You need to confess it. You need to enforce it. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind.